Welcome to the Front Porch Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today. And today we're joined by Debbie Huntley. Debbie, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. And I should mention uh, that as we're recording this today, uh, the weather's not the greatest in the valley. So I actually have Pastor Margaret and Debbie joining me via the phone today, and I'm at home. So we're all in different places, but thankful to technology, we're still able to bring you hope today and good news. And uh, Debbie is here to share her story, her testimony with us today. Debbie, just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Sure. Um, my, both of my parents are from um, a little community a township outside of Philadelphia, Jeffersonville, and they both grew up there, um, went to the same elementary school. All my family stayed there. Um, and it wasn't until I was probably five years old um, that our family um, moved to Fairfax County. But both of my parents grew up in the church, in the Presbyterian Church, grandparents, great-grandparents. So um, that's how my sister and I were raised also. And uh, we moved around a lot for the first five years. My dad went to VMI, my mom went to Mary Washington, and then he had to serve two years in the Air Force. So I was born in Dayton, Ohio. My sister was born in Chicago, and then we moved back to different areas of Pennsylvania, and then Baltimore, Towson, and then finally, uh, at five, uh, my sister and I landed in Fairfax County and basically grew up there. Uh, most of our life, um, attending the Presbyterian Church and going to Sunday school and vacation Bible school. But um, as I'm sure it is the case with a lot of families um, back in that day, um, we attended church, but we didn't really, um, I guess, talk about God, pray at home, uh, read the Bible at home. We never, my grandparents, my parents never talked about their faith. Um, I guess it was more of a private um, thing that people kept to themselves, especially up north um, back then. Um, so I had the exposure um, to a Christian faith, um, but not to say that I had a personal relationship when I was little growing up. And then I graduated from high school there in Fairfax County, Judd Stewart. Well, it's not Judd Stewart High School anymore. They've changed the name. And then went to college at Randolph-Macon in Ashland and then landed in the Valley after college where I've lived here all my life since. Very good. So as you traveled around the country, your family made sure, your parents made sure that you all were in the church. They yeah. were, it sounds like they were faithful. It's always intriguing and interesting how God does that. Like he helps to instill that faith as a young child. And it might not be that it was a relationship with Christ, but the foundation of scripture, like when Later in life, when that became a desire of your heart, um, which I want to hear about um, how you came to that personal relationship, but you knew something about Scripture. Yeah. Um, so that's always it's a gift, you know, to be able to look back. And I think about I was brought to faith by a Scripture. It brought me to church, the parable of the sower. And I realized in that moment, you know, the parable the sower talks about phony ground and fertile soil. And I realized in that moment when God allowed that scripture to land on my very hard heart that I was that I was stony ground. 
And so had I not had that foundation of faith laid, I wouldn't have had that seedbed already prepared um, with truth. So, yeah, I just I'm always grateful to hear those stories of, yeah, my parents got me to church. You know, it might not have been maybe exactly what we have today, but they did, um, I think, what they knew to do. So just wanted to celebrate that. You're right. And I'm more thankful now for their faithfulness. For a while, I was, I was, I guess, resentful that we didn't have a Christian home in the home mm. outside of church. But you're right. You look back and you're like, I'm thankful that they were very faithful and always taking us to church and making us go to church when we didn't really yeah. want to either. In the later yeah. So I am grateful. Yeah. It was more of a private thing. I don't know, maybe the generation, but yeah, just grateful for that. So let's fast forward to what did that journey look like for you to come to that place um, of relationship with Jesus? After I went, well, I went to college, as a lot of us, um, it's like, yoo-hoo, I don't have to go to church anymore. I'm on my own. Um, make my own decisions. <laughs> so even though Randolph-Megan is a Methodist-based college and you were expected but not required to go to chapel on Sunday, I went maybe twice. That was it. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't go again. And it really wasn't until after I got married and I was trying to, we've been married eight years, and I was trying to get pregnant. I was having infertility problems. In that situation, I became aware that God was working personally in my life, that he saw me. He heard my prayers. It's sort of like I would pray, but not quite sure those prayers were going anywhere because I had no connection, um, intimate, personal connection. And in the most unusual settings and circumstances and chance encounters, I met people and they put me in contact with different doctors and I was able to um, deliver a healthy baby boy. And it was during that journey that I I was aware that he sees me, he hears me, he's actively involved in the events and the details of your lives. And after Aaron was born, we made the decision to start going back to church and be part of the church family again. Very good. And it wasn't, I mean, it was attending church, but um, keeping my distance at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a slow, I, that's the way I process things. I'm a very slow person. I like to take my time. I'm very cautious. So that's my nature. Um, and God knows that. Um, and he knows just the way to slowly draw me in and coax me in to know him um, and to trust him. And it was a slow process. And it was actually through the study of God's Word that I grew to know Him and to see who He is and His truth. And we started this program. Actually, I forget the name of it. It was through the Presbyterian Church that I was attending. It was a two-year program at night, and I had little ones, two little ones at that point, 16 months apart, working full-time. But I just knew I needed to be in this nighttime Bible study class that lasted two years through the study of God's Word, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and and I'll be ever grateful to those who led us and just an an opening experiencing of God through His Word, and I just had a hunger. I always loved reading um, and studying God's Word, and then He led me into seven years of Bible study fellowship, which I was so grateful for that season of just being deep in His Word. It was through that Bible study at BSF that I realized there's something missing. Even though I was teaching Sunday school uh, and I was leading in different areas of the church, 
I just knew there was something missing in that church. And it was through BSF that that awakening came, that there's something more here that I'm missing in in the relationship with Jesus and the walk as a Christian. And it was during that time that he actually led me to um, Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene. So that's how I got to our church today. Yeah, it's amazing the journey um, that he takes us on to and the tapestry of folks that are in our last first season. Um, yeah, you're right. And how God uses each part of that journey to grow us. And Debbie, as you were talking, one of the things that stuck out to me is just how God knows that we're all different and he knows what it takes to bring us to him, whether it be answered prayer or just drawing us slowly by slowly. You know, some of us, it takes a little longer than others, but he's a patient God and he loves us and he does whatever it takes to uh, draw us to him or, you know, whether it be a Bible study or just studying his word. So if there's anything else about that time or what you learned during that time that you would like to share? I think when I came, started coming to um, the Nazarene Church, that's, and the reason God led me there, he knew what I was missing. Uh, And nothing against the Presbyterian, you know, church that I was attending. Um, But in growing up in that denomination, you never heard personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I didn't know what that was. It was never taught. It was never expressed. The Holy Spirit was sort of like not mentioned either. That was not part of our teaching. And so that's the pieces that I was missing. And then coming to the Nazarene church, and not to say that's the only church you can, God can reveal this to you, uh, or only denomination, but especially um, with our distinctive started hearing um, through your dad, um, Pastor Carey, you know, the words, personal relationship, um, full surrender, indwelling power of the Holy Spirit and transformation, all these new concepts um, that God needed to teach me. And so that's where I started to sort of open up and realize and blossom. And during that time, he kept me out of serving him in any way. I was so wrapped up in thinking I was doing what God was calling me to do, serving in umpteen million ways at the Presbyterian Church, and I was too busy serving then to actually be still and sit with him and hear him mm-hmm. and let him work in me. And it was during that time, the first two years I started coming to the Nazarene Church, I, he clearly told me, you're not going to serve anywhere. You're just going to sit and be still in my presence and allow me to have my way um, mm-hmm. in your spirit and in your life and in your heart. You know, I really do. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. One thing that sticks out to me from those years, Debbie, is you sort of resembled a sponge. Um, yeah. You soaked. You took everything in that you could. You asked really good questions. You asked hard questions. Like you, you did the hard work. Yes, you sat. And, you know, I think be still and know that I'm God is a really a precious scripture to you, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, in that journey, you also entered community and you asked questions. And I always loved being a part of that just to hear the things. Because I learned a lot even as, you know, folks that were there in the church, uh, maybe Pastor Jim, um, just folks that would engage in that conversation. And that's just precious time to think back and think on that. You know, that God was preparing you for the future and just building that foundation even firmer um, in him and just entering into community and 
sometimes it's hard to ask the questions, um, but you did that. And I think those questions were answered uh, to the best of the ability of those around you. And you're right, it's, it's during that season. But I really, at that point, still hadn't fully surrendered. God was a much larger part of my life, but I was still tending to be in the lead. Um, and it wasn't until, and I'm so grateful for all the trips that Pastor Carrie and Steve Thingpen have led us on um, to the Holy Land. Each and one, one of them was just um, it was a refreshing experience and a new experience um, with my relationship with the Lord, but especially the one who was 2009 when, or 2011, I can't remember exactly the year, but we went to Israel, and I can remember we were in Bethlehem, and Dad always, um, Grayson takes us to one of the shepherd's caves right. um, there in Bethlehem, and we had a time of devotion and prayer. And at the end, we were all in prayer, and he just said, um, I want to call anybody to come forth for an anointing who feels led by the Lord and uh, would like to come forth. And I felt the nudge, but I'm like, no way. I, I just resisted, and I said, no. And the second time your dad asked, and then a third time your dad asked, and he said, I know there's someone here who hasn't come forward um, that God is nudging. And this whole time, while we're deep in prayer, I just had this beautiful vision of Jesus um, with his hand extended to me saying, come, follow me. And I was so scared because I was like, I don't know what that means. What am I going to have to give up? Uh, where are you going to call me to? I was so afraid. It's like standing on that edge of a cliff and you know God's calling you to jump and he's promising you he's going to catch you, but you're so overwhelmed with fear. You're just so afraid to jump. And it, it was through those three times of his, your dad waiting, he just knew the Holy Spirit just gave him that unknowing of um, he needed to keep asking. And I finally said, I don't know what you're asking of me. I don't know what this means fully, but I do know I trust you. I do know you love me. And so I went forward at the very end, and your dad anointed me, and that's when I fully surrendered. What a beautiful testimony right. of, you know, in a place where uh, the Savior um, of the world entered in Bethlehem. Right. Um, that's powerful and precious. And God does that. Like he does his things in places that we'll never forget. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, Debbie, that's great. I was thinking the same thing as uh, what Pastor Margaret was saying, how it's neat that uh, the Lord kind of drew you close to him in the place where his son Jesus walked and lived and ministered and did miracles. And uh, I've had the privilege of going there once before. And it's just uh, kind of uh, overwhelming, so to speak, just to think of all the things that happen there and just how they come to life there. And um, not that you can't experience Christ anywhere else, wherever you're at. You Obviously, Christ is everywhere. He's omnipresent. Yeah, anything else about that trip or after that trip, um, you know, after he drew you to him and after you uh, were anointed and um, just uh, were more committed to him? The only thing to say, and it's not, I mean, some people's lives, it's a dramatic moment. Well, it was a dramatic moment. It was a very sacred, precious moment. You're right that I'll always remember, especially in that setting. But it was also a day-by-day journey and has been and still is of surrendering for it's just a slow process again for me he knows my 
um, temperament and how I'm created and designed. And so it's been a step-by-step of further revealing. I don't think we will ever reach the end until he calls us home. There's always a deeper surrender each and every day that he draws us into in a beautiful way, in a loving way. So, and and it's just, yeah, it's exciting every day to realize that he will do this for us each and every day if we yield ourselves fully to him in absolute surrender. Um, And that's my heart cry, just to absolutely surrender to whatever you have. And in some ways, it's easier as you get older and you've had the years behind you and the experiences behind you, and you draw closer to the end of the chapter of your book, of your story here. It's been much easier for me just to surrender all to him. You know, Debbie, you've talked about when you came to, you know, to that relationship with Christ. And, you know, that is when we accept Christ, we're justified. And we're made just as if we did justify had not been uh, justification. And that is when we really get all of God, right? But right. when we are that second work of grace, when you came to the precipice or the cliff in front of you and God is just saying, Hey, you know, I want, I want all of you. And that is, that's a moment where we kind of have to step off of the throne of our own life and allow him to be in control. And that's not an easy thing. That's sanctification. And, you know, this is a moment in time where we can look back and say, you know, I said yes in that moment in that cave to God and what he has for me. But then you're right. It is also, it's a then and every day afterwards. Um, His mercies are new every day. And we must step into that in relationship with him. We can't just expect that he's just going to work everything out if we're not in relationship with him. And so it is a daily giving up of ourselves and leaning into the Lord, being still knowing he is God and listening and following his lead instead of our own fleshly desires. You know, there was a time in my life, and this is when, I think when my, the one incident that taught me, it was the most difficult experience I've ever um, been through in my life with my daughter, and I, I have her permission to share this. But it was the time when she was um, 17, she was very rebellious and angry and wounded and hurt in ways I could not understand and I couldn't reach her. And she left home at 17. There were times when I didn't know where she was living, what she was doing. She got into drugs. Um, There were times when I didn't know if she was alive or dead. I expected a police officer to come to my door any time and tell me they found my daughter. Um, And I, I was, the first time in my life, I was so helpless, so not able to fix anything. Um, I've always been able to uh, fix things, take care of things, um, manage things. And I was totally helpless. I couldn't do anything. And I was on my knees and crying out to God like I never had before. And he taught me. I was also so afraid I would harden my heart against my daughter. She was doing and saying things that were so hurtful to me and so cruel that I just wanted her out of my life just to mm-hmm. stop the pain. And I had to pray, 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 do not let me harden my heart against her, Lord. And he taught me an unconditional love mm-hmm. that is beyond anything um, that I had ever experienced or would have ever been able to manage on my own or be able to um, love her through those dark, dark years. And if there were many, I mean, it went on um, for probably eight years 
and just his faithfulness that he never let go of her. And he kept promising me um, that I will see her delivered and redeemed. I just knew he would one day. I didn't know how. Um, and he did. He was so faithful. She has been delivered. He restored her life. He restored all the years that the locust ate destroyed. And she is a beautiful wife and mother of two, my two sweet grandchildren. Um, she is coming back to a relationship with the Lord, and he's used people in her lives in amazing ways to draw her back. It's not through us. <laughs> Most mm-hmm. of the time, his parents. Um, yeah. And I pray one day she will share her story because it truly is an amazing story of deliverance and freedom um, and restoration. Debbie, um, today there are people listening, and they might be in that same place that you were all those years ago. What's something you would say to them today as they are journeying with someone that they are in a similar situation? I think what when I was at my most desperate and felt so powerless to do anything, God put in my hands the book, um, Praying for Your Adult Children. And it was through, I needed that tool. I need those specific prayers for that specific area over um, Catherine. And I started praying these prayers every day. And I started to be filled with a hope and a strength and a power that um, this would be um, accomplished. This um, evil um, presence in her life and this addiction that um, through the power of prayer and God working, I could have seen victory one day where I felt so helpless before. So that was one tool that God gave me is those specific prayers. Because I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know how to pray. I, w- I just was a lump um, of tears. Mm-hmm. And so that helped me. It also helped, even though it wasn't easy to share. I, I will tell you, my life group um, was the Savior. And God knew this is just when life groups were coming together. And we started life groups. And, and God called me to facilitate one. And he drew people, and we're still together, into our life group where all of us were experiencing battles and struggles and hurts and pains with our children, whether it be alcoholism, drugs, trouble with the law. And we were able to come together and pray together and share together. So make sure you stay in the community or have those brothers and sisters in Christ that you come around and that come around you and you pray together and you share and you have that support. It's critical. There's an isolation that the enemy wants us to um, step into when these things happen. He believes that people will judge us, that they will shame us. And it's in the body of Christ, um, that should never be. What you're talking about is a beautiful picture of a place where you can come in and you can be vulnerable and be surrounded by people. And, you know, if you wouldn't have been vulnerable, they probably wouldn't have either. But you were, and you all had a commonality, and God did bring you all together to walk through tough times, and that's the beauty of entering in when the enemy would say, you don't want to share this because of what, you know, what people will say. Like, he'll do anything to keep us quiet, but um, I think that should be an encouragement to make sure that you have, that you're in a place where you build that, that safety and that community and have a group around you that you trust, and that's important. You're right, and I'll also share during that time besides um, um, and him enabling me to love unconditionally 
and to experience his faithfulness and trusting him in a way I never had before. He also humbled me in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because I was one of those parents that you'd hear a story about so-and-so's kid, you know, got trouble with this or that. I'm like, I wonder what those parents did wrong. You know, um, I would judge. I would judge the mm. parents and um, what they did right or didn't do right. And, oh, he humbled me. I have such a compassion and an empathy now for any parent um, that's going through that struggle with their child and realizing you can do, and you hear so many stories, you can do everything in yielding to the Lord and praying for your kids and live in a godly life, and that doesn't guarantee your kids are not going to go through this dark journey at some point in time. So I do have, yeah, it it was a very humbling experience, um, and I'm grateful for that because I am able to have that compassion and empathy that I wouldn't otherwise. Just a powerful testimony, and hopefully today an encouragement for those listening that may find themselves in a place similar. And uh, Debbie, uh, it just encouraged me to just, and I'm sure encourage and brings hope to others if they have lost family members who they're praying for, and maybe they don't feel like the Lord's working in that person's life, but we just have to keep praying and keep being faithful to Him and uh, just uh, give those people over to Him. It's out of our control other than that we can pray, which is very important. So uh, thank you for that testimony. And uh just in the last couple minutes we have here, anything else that you would like to share um, that we haven't asked you already or that you haven't shared already? The only, I guess with his, um, with the Lord enabling me to love unconditionally and teach me what it means to love unconditionally through my daughter's journey, he then used that in a, another way with my father um, who just passed away. And my father was never really there for in our growing up years, he, I just remember my father is a very cold, distant, harsh person. Um, he was a very broken um, person. And so we, I never really had a relationship with him. I never really wanted to have a relationship with him. I didn't care that much when my sister and I were growing up. We both felt that way. But when my stepmother passed away four years ago, I was put in the position of being um, the caregiver for my dad, who was experiencing many strokes and not able to function as well as he used to. And I, oh, did I resent that I was being put in this position, um, that I was the main caregiver. Um, And after she passed away, he started coming to church with me every Sunday. And to be honest, I resented that I had to sit next to him every Sunday, that my life was being controlled now by what his needs were. Um, I was really struggling in the beginning with this. And I knew I had to pray um, for God to enable me to love him. And as God loves him, um, to be able to forgive him, um, to submit to what God was asking of me. And through that four-year journey, I learned to uh, see my dad in a new light. I learned to have peace and forgiveness um, in a way I never thought would be possible. Um, And when I sat with him as he was dying, there was just perfect, beautiful peace. Mm. And we just kept saying, all's good, Dad, all's good. And I wouldn't have been able to do that. I would have, I would have maybe if he passed away and, I, and God hadn't taken me on that journey, I know there would have been regret. But there was just peace and closure um, and a knowing that my, what relationship, and it probably didn't look like a father-daughter loving relationship, but it was a loving relationship um, as a child of God, honoring and caring for her father. Thank you for sharing that. 
there is hope. As long as there's breath, there's hope. And that's what I hear today, Debbie, that it may seem hopeless, like there never could be relationship, but you and I both have had the privilege of walking with a loved one, uh, me with my mom to the end of her life and God restored a relationship beautifully. So my heart just so connects to you and that story of God being so gracious as to give us that time before they went on to be with Jesus. And uh, so thank you for sharing that. And I pray today that does bring hope to those listening that this is possible. God does the impossible. He gives us more than we could ever think or imagine um, for Ephesians 3. And that's just one of those moments. And I would like to share before we close that my father, two years ago, through the grief sharing ministry at our church, um, he um, gave his life to the Lord. So I had that peace when he passed, knowing he was going home to be with Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's great. Praise the Lord. And I'm sure uh, that uh, your life was a witness to him in the end, Debbie. And it uh, sounds like the Lord really used you uh, not just to minister to his physical needs, but also ultimately, I'm sure, to lead um, him to Christ in his last few years. Um, so thank you for being vulnerable and for being willing um, to share with us that. And uh, thank you for joining us on Front Porch Talks today, Debbie. It's been good to oh, have you're you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that as you've heard Debbie Huntley's testimony, that it has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Front Porch Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.